Welcome back, guys. It's Alexa, and I'm here with a brand new podcast episode for The Chat. I am Alexa. I just actually said that. Um, I'm repeating myself. So I'm trying something a little bit new. I'm going to try and not look at look at a script because I think it really takes away from the creative flow and kind of funny aspects of a podcast. Even if this is the Dean series, I have my little segment in the beginning, so I really just want to make this more personal, um, a little bit more, you know, low-key, more casual, and then we'll get into the actual interviews with the Deans, which, yes, is continuing. I went on a little hiatus, I understand, but I'm back better than ever, and we have an amazing episode today with Dean Raj Enshambadi of Demore Mc- Demore McKim School of Business here at Northeastern University. I always mispronounce it. I'm so sorry. Emerson, if you're listening, please forgive me. But I'm just really excited for this episode. Dean Enshambadi has some of the best advice and information I have ever heard. He has such a unique perspective, talks about inclusive economy in terms of the gender and opportunity gap. So I really hope you're willing to stick around and listen to the full interview. It is a little bit long, I'll warn you. If you need to take a break, do so, but at least, you know, get halfway through it. Um, So without further ado, here is the podcast. Um, Welcome everyone to this week's podcast. This week we'll be discussing the um, gender gap, opportunity gap with um, Dean and Shimbadi from the Moore McKim School of Business and how um, he himself, professors, um, the School of Business approaches these situations and I know he's really excited to talk to us today. So thank you so much for being here Um, and yeah, take the floor, introduce yourself, um, how you came to be Dean of the Moore McKim School of Business and um, what your, you know, su- successes and um, kind of goals have been while being at Northeastern. Perfect. Thank you, Alexa. Uh, much appreciate uh, the opportunity to be here. And uh, I grew up in India and uh, uh, did my mechanical engineering as my undergraduate discipline. And uh, uh, after my mechanical engineering degree, I was actually a service engineer for a tractor company for a couple of years, Massey Tractors. Very so cool. one, uh, one uh, skill that people would never guess of me uh, is that I could at one point in time disassemble a tractor and assemble it all back with my bare hands. You know, my wow. children cannot believe it. Yeah, so... Uh, but... So, happenstance, uh, somebody uh, told me about an opportunity to study in the United States. I was fairly good in mathematics, so I decided to come here to the U.S., Uh, went to the University of Houston to do a Ph.D. in business. Okay. And uh, uh, emphasis on quantitative business, so I used a lot of my uh, mathematics and statistics skills in order to do this. And and then afterwards, I had a choice to make after the PhD, whether to go into the corporate world mm-hmm. or to move into the academic uh, world, if you will. But by then, I was very deeply committed to the purpose of higher education. Yeah. I, uh, when I look at my own life, Alexa, I am where I am today because of uh, the educational opportunities I got. I always uh, speak... Uh, whenever I speak to audiences, I always say that uh, the taxpayers in India funded my education there. 
and then the taxpayers in Texas funded my graduate education. So I, uh, I seriously uh, felt that uh, my payback would be by working in higher education and providing everybody the opportunity to engage in higher education because that is life-changing, that is game-changing. Mm-hmm. And so decided to go into academia, was a faculty member for a couple of decades actually uh, before I became dean okay. at uh, Northeastern. And so how did I become dean? Well, uh, my father always used to say to me, when you go through life, mm-hmm. it all looks random. But when you look back, there is a systematic arc, you know. Yeah. And uh, uh, I think this is from Schopenhauer. But but uh, one of the interesting things about my life was my research area was in the area of innovation. How should firms build and sustain innovative organizations? So we think about a blockbuster Mm-hmm. Uh, for 25 years, they were a world-class company and all of a sudden, they could not capitalize on the emerging trends and voila, Netflix was born and uh, and Netflix has had a couple of uh, iterations, if you will. They started off as a DVD mail company and then a video yeah. stream company and so on. So my job as an academic faculty member was to advise companies on how should you execute your current market? If you are a blockbuster, how do you focus on the video rental and then focus on the future as well at the same time? Think about what is uh, uh, coming up in the horizon, etc. So anyway, long story short, my then dean uh, uh, at the University of Illinois, which is where I was, asked me to come and think about our MBA program in an innovative way. And we launched uh, an online MBA program a year and a half later using principles from my research on innovation and a fabulous team. Mm -hmm. And we developed uh, and launched a scale-based MBA program. So today, four or five years later after its launch, it has reached about two and a half, three million people around the world in 180 countries. And it has about uh, 4,000 students currently. And that directly came from the work that I had done prior to that. And obviously, Northeastern saw that and saw the work that I had done at Illinois and called me. And I had always had a phenomenal um, admiration for Northeastern, for what uh, Northeastern had done with experiential learning. So I jumped at the opportunities. Here I am four years later, uh, having the privilege of talking to you. Thank you. Know that, you know, what you said, kind of your your passion for education and how you were able to get to the positions you, you know, are in now. And I think that is that is so true. And I like how you said um, when you look back on it, it's this um, kind of like you said, systematic arc um, and kind of how there you, there was like a uh, invisible string leading you there, if you will. Um, it's not necessarily all these random type of um, coincidences, even though sometimes it can feel like that. And especially with education. Yeah, I think, you know, being at Northeastern, I'm super grateful um, every day, you know, to be 
at a university who really values education. And I think that the fun thing about being in college versus high school or, you know, when you're younger is that you're so excited to learn and you want to study something that you're passionate about. Um, and, you know, I'm in the process of possibly like changing my major around. Um, and I think that's the exciting part is you get to kind of decide what you want to do rather than just, you know, taking classes and, you know, trying to get grades. It's more than that. It's more than the grades. So I think that, you know, that's that's so great to kind of hear your your story about it and, and how you came to be um, in that position. And, you know, yeah, so it's it's that's really, really cool. And I love hearing those type of things because I think sometimes, you know, it's nice to hear that you kind of manage to get there and it doesn't always have to be super planned out. <laughs> Especially, I, yeah. That yeah. is, that is, I want to reiterate what you said. One of the things that I always tell people is uh, you don't have to plan your entire life and it doesn't work like that. You know, yeah. there's a very famous uh, uh, saying by a boxer, Mike Tyson, uh, uh, who says, uh, plans are all great, but planning goes out of the window the moment the first blow hits your face. And 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 one of the interesting things uh, that to you know I would urge everybody to have is this agility to move. You know, uh, yeah. when, when when you are faced with something, are you agile enough to think of possibilities and a curiosity? Mm-hmm. To me, these are the two traits that you need to have. You don't have to have a super a uh, planned uh, thing because think about my life i wanted to be an engineer mm-hmm. and and of course i changed afterwards and 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 i personally feel this is absolutely the best career for me and so on so so be open to the possibilities <laughs> and life will reward you immensely yeah no exactly exactly and i could talk about that forever because i think with co-op right now it's definitely you're learning what you do like what you don't like um kind of this fear of am i ever going to find you know my concrete passion but i think like you said that comes with time and and now you're dean and you love what you do um and kind of that goal of being in education but you didn't know that you know many years ago so it's definitely kind of a growing thing that you find from each job um, which is the best part about the experiential learning um but oops sorry this one came up but um no yeah so you know going off of that being here at northeastern for now you said i think six or four years four years four years four years um and you know obviously the main and we talked a little bit before about um you know you want to discuss inclusive economy um which we're going to discuss and i'm really excited to hear you talk about that and i'm really excited for our listeners to hear about that as well because i think it is so important and it's a different perspective than other deans you know and that's the whole point that's the whole purpose of us doing this podcast um i think you know, main thing, not that this isn't at Northeastern at all, but it happens everywhere across the world. Um, you know, especially being like International Women's Month this past month, just right. seeing, you know, the opportunity gap, gender gap, whatever it may be in the workforce in different sectors. Um, and now specifically focusing within, you know, DeMore McKim, not only within the school, but in the business sector or the financial sector. So kind of gender bias in the workplace, whether that be, um, you know, anything that you think kind of goes along with those those lines and i know you had specifically centered it around inclusive economy which like i said is i think such a unique perspective and is really important because it goes more and further than just past gender um it's also you know ethnicity and um you know our sexuality and um our race and, and everything like that so yeah 
I'd love okay. to hear you. So I will start uh, first with uh, uh, gender parity, Alexa. Mm-hmm. Uh, very interestingly, in 2015, uh, I was actually invited by the uh, Obama White House uh, to start a conversation among business school deans uh, to provide opportunities for women in business. Because uh, there was a, there is a very interesting stat. Uh, women CEOs lag participation of women in business schools by 20 years. In other words, women come to the business schools 20 years later, you know, obviously they are going to go into the C-suite, etc. So when people talk about women CEOs or women C-suite, you cannot achieve that higher numbers unless otherwise you have women in business schools. Yeah. Or or women in universities. So uh, uh, it was a very profoundly uh, I, I would say uh, life-changing experience for me uh, in the sense that I learned some concrete steps there as to how to promote uh, gender parity, you know, and I'm only going to talk uh, right now about higher education and then I'll pivot to uh, inclusive economy. Yeah, definitely. So to me, when I think about a gender parity, uh, in higher ed, especially at the Mormon, there are three things we need to do, Alexa, which is what we have tried to do. Again, we have miles to go before we sleep, but I think we have made uh, good steps, if you will. At the uh, uh, undergraduate level, our numbers are about 45% women and 55% men. Okay. And consistently, we are trying to improve those numbers. Some disciplines like management, supply chain, marketing, are all over 50% women. Mm-hmm. Entrepreneurship and finance are less than 40%. And that is where we are focusing on right now. You know, mm-hmm. we have student organizations like Women in Finance yeah, or entrepreneurial organizations like WISE, which is a women's interdisciplinary society for entrepreneurs. Yeah, uh, We have uh, the women in business and smart women securities. There are a variety of student organizations that are doing it. But going back, there are three things we need to do in higher ed. One, build a pipeline, provide an opportunity to uh, young girls uh, as you know, early as middle school to start thinking about business as a career so that they, when they go into high school, and when they come out, they understand business as a potential career. 100%. So we have started to work with high schools on, on promo, promoting uh, those kinds of opportunities, etc. Second is once women come in, mm-hmm. build the right kind of experiences for women so that they can be impactful leaders in the long run. And when I mean impactful leaders, I'm, only, I'm not only talking about corporate careers, I'm not talking about not-for-profit, I'm talking about whatever they choose to do, entrepreneurs or they want to be a homemaker, whatever you choose to do, you mm-hmm. can be impactful, but you need to build the right kind of experiences that foster confidence. But the interesting thing here, Alexa, it is not enough to only teach this to the women. You also have to teach the men of, of what it is uh, to be a part of a family, what is it to be a part of helping with with care responsibilities and so on? So that starts with the curriculum. 
that starts with having women protagonists in cases mm-hmm. that starts bringing in women uh, leaders as as your uh, panelists in your in your uh, speaker series or uh, women in terms of becoming guest speakers in classes yeah. or more number of uh, women faculty so these are all what i call as the building experiences part mm-hmm. and the third part alexa is I think business schools especially Damore McKim has an incredible opportunity to exemplify what is a just world for our students. So when you go out you have seen what the world should be, you know. A lot of people tell me, "Oh, you should reflect the real world." I say, "No, no, no, no. The real world should reflect me." Mm-hmm. Because we in higher education have a higher moral calling. and we need to justify what that right word is so even before the world catches on we need to be able to model for our students and our learners and our faculty and staff and the entire community what a just world is so that is basically uh, how i think about improving the the gender parity if you will one of the things i will tell you uh, you 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 know this but over the last 15 20 years as a society as a, an american society we have done a lot of good work mm-hmm. in terms of increasing the numbers of women either as ceos or in the c suites as uh, as uh, senior vice presidents you know yeah. so we had been enhancing those numbers etc but covid has put paid to a lot of our uh, growth if you will uh, that uh, right now we have a serious concern in the sense uh, uh there are two issues here even pre covid we used to have something called a broken rung okay. that women trying uh, getting out of the workforce especially after the birth birth of their first child and so on because okay. of uh, care responsibilities that they shoulder and so on and and but the second part after covid what has happened is women are 1.3 times more likely to either uh terminate their employment or slow down their employment and and some of the numbers are uh staggering actually america they say could lose close to 2 million women in wow. the workforce 100000 women in the c suites alone so that speaks to the gravity of the problem that we are facing yeah women owned businesses have shuttered by about 25% of women owned businesses have shuttered in the last year Mm-hmm. after covid so so as i started thinking about the the impact of covid i realized we need to double down our efforts uh and and last year we had the uh, uh black lives matter movement and and uh, and the promotion of racial justice and so on and a lot of companies now rightfully have started focusing on hey how do we engender gender parity Mm-hmm. and racial and ethnic parity etc one of the things that i want your listeners to understand is diversity goals do not equal an inclusive economy mm-hmm. so what do i mean by this 41% of black owned businesses 32% of latinx owned businesses 25% of asian owned businesses i said to you 26% of women owned businesses have all shuttered due to covid yeah right extreme poverty in the in the world people who make less than $2 a day uh, those numbers have increased by 120 million in the in the covid era mm-hmm. right uh, uh, when you look at the pew report 
families in the 10th percentile of uh, family income are three times more likely to have poverty compared to families in the 90th percentile etc so this speaks to the opportunity gap that you talked about right mm-hmm. uh, which is unless otherwise we take care of and uh, all these uh, various segments the entire uh, population if you will and make an economy that works for all which is what i am trying to call as an inclusive economy yeah you can't actually achieve uh i would say gender uh, racial ethnic or social equity in the long run yeah. which is kind of what we are focused on at the moment yeah no that i think you know all of what you just said there um was extremely insightful in the way that you know talking about especially you know women businesses women led businesses and how already before that so i don't know my computers um being weird but um even before that even before covid um it was really hard um for women to keep these um businesses alive doing well and then you said you know for them being such a small margin of margin of businesses then after covid you know to see uh, not only women businesses but latin owned businesses latinx owned businesses black owned businesses all of those together um suffering under this this time during covid and it's been you know extremely you know it's just dis- it's disheartening to hear but the fact that you as dean and also the you guys at Dormakim are focusing so heavily on creating a just world and making it mirror what you are studying and what you are learning right. not just to learn this and then go out and kind of do the same thing and someone actually said to me the other day um a close friend i you know was struggling to say i was like i'm not sure what i should study i feel like i'm not taking the right path and they said well she said um well if you don't study what you like then it's all just going to be the same and if you don't say what you're passionate about and what you think is correct then the businesses the sectors um you know the corporations they'll always look the same so we're kind of the people that need to be the ones changing it and i think you know you being a dean who emphasizing that so much and taking that taking that um that path and you know kind of taking those those lead as students is is just a great way to show that yes and uh, to be frank with you i think uh, one of the points that you made is absolutely absolutely spot on you need to be the change that you want to see in the world right uh, there are lots of things that i as a dean or our staff members our faculty members can do uh, in terms of uh, uh, promoting a, an inclusive economy i can talk to corporate partners we're all super excited about this vision i can talk to adam nai but at the end of the day to me true impact happens organically it's a bottom up movement yeah. uh you know and when we have we have we are blessed with amazing students at northeastern as uh, you exemplify and to me yeah. the important thing is i would urge students to internalize what is it that they want to do Uh, not in terms of specifics but i want to have an impact mm-hmm. i want to make a change in the world so that i can make a true difference i can make a meaningful difference i can make a significant difference that has got to be the motto you know and there are a variety of ways by which you can accomplish one of the things there is a very famous book called the progress paradox one thing i always say to people is a stat from that book uh, alexa and that goes as follows we living in the middle class society in the western world right now mm-hmm. live better 
than 99.9% of the people who have ever lived on earth that's a powerful sobering statistic if you think yeah. about it. the wines that i drink <laughs> at home yeah uh, is far better than the 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 wines that were drunk by the kings of france yeah you know? So in other words where I'm going with this is our okay. lives have yeah. become better and better and better and better. Yeah. And now there is an opportunity for all of us in 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 middle class or upper middle class families to you are you know I always say this to students when they graduate at Northeastern you are going to have an amazing life. You are already coming out of one of the most prestigious universities in the world. Mhm. Yeah. you are well educated you are trained plus you have the reputation that you are disciplined and smart to finish a northeastern degree yeah so your professional successes are all but guaranteed yeah. but at some point in time when you come to my age you realize professional successes are one thing but what is it that you have done yeah you know in terms of leading a purpose driven life mhm that's where i think it matters and 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 students don't have to walk out at 21 and say this is what i'm going to do this is the purpose driven life i think i think as you go through life these things are going to happen to you yeah. but but to have a mindset that i am here to make a difference and and i will make a significant difference in whatever i do initially it might be you are an analyst at a firm and you do the best of job that you can Mm-hmm. and to the company etc but you have made a meaningful impact yeah but over time expand that to not only include your personal and professional lives but also incorporate the society into your thinking or the community into yeah. your thinking and that would be my wish for your listeners yeah and i think you know it, that it's so true being at this university and the the love for education and um i think the one really interesting or really cool part about northeastern too is the connections everyone shares and or you and you can make through northeastern whether it be abroad or on co-op or on dialogue or at the university you know being able to speak with the deans is such a wonderful experience for me um and i think having those opportunities the kind of bridging the gap between you know professors and deans and and you know people who are very high up and then students i think it just northeastern does a great great job at that and we're so able to learn from each other which is so important and kind of cultivates that you know what do how do we how do we want our you know what we're learning our education to reflect in society because at the end of the day work environment school environments every environment we're in is just a reflection of the you know the society right. we're in um so i think that is such a you know great perspective and and um as you said earlier um being able you know i think you said that that one saying how you drink you know better wines than you know the the kings of um france did one day like i think that just though a really good metaphor or analogy like to use because it's so true and it is getting better and there's this one saying it's some um, i think by like i forgot um maybe steven pitzer i don't know his name but he's like the better, better angels of our nature and he basically discusses how you know the world isn't as bad as people think it is it's just yes. because it's a lot more um seen on social media and the news and there is so much change that needs to happen you know a lot of people after covid have said we don't want things to go back to normal cuz so much change has occurred during covid which is so you know completely right in that aspect um and i think you know i think the one 
amazing thing, not a, that it's amazing about COVID, but there has been the ability to change. Okay. And I think we as humans can see that we can change, whether that be, you know, for an inclusive economy now, a more just society, climate change, um, you know, actions we can take that will will benefit, um, you know, our, our children and people who come after us and ourselves. Um, and I think obviously inclusive con- economy is just one key aspect of that. Yes, I will say one thing. Uh, I'm very optimistic about the future. Uh, and that is partly because of uh, my background in innovation. And I'll give you a couple of numbers to tell you, right? In 1894, Times of London had a, uh, had a headline that says, London will drown in 50 feet of manure by 1950. So this was the uh, the oh. because there were horses, right? Horses were yeah. used for transportation in 1894, uh, and uh, uh, the average uh, life expectancy of a horse, because they were overworked, was only about two and a half, three years. Wow! Uh, horses would die, and people would leave it on the street. I mean, it was it was uh, hell. And horses also dumped something like 10 pounds of manure a day, or something. And and there were sanitation and hygiene problems, etc. Mm-hmm. But of course, the 50 feet of drowning in manure never came to pass because cars came to the rescue. Yeah. And the thing that I always say is innovation is the lifeblood. When you think about the life expectancy of an American citizen in 1840, that was close to about 40 years. Today, mm-hmm. it's double. Yeah. The life expectancy of an Indian in 1900 was 22. Today, it's about close to 70. Yeah. Life expectancy of somebody right now in South Korea uh, in 1900 was 22 and today it is about 80 plus. Mm-hmm. The fact of the matter is innovation is, is it gets our society better and better and better, right? Yeah. And even in the recent past, SARS-2 happened in 2002 and out of which came Alibaba and the global behemoths in e-commerce. Mm-hmm. 2008 was a bad year. Yeah. In terms of global recession, you have Airbnb and value economy and, yeah. and the sharing economy and so on. So great things are going to come out of after COVID. Mm-hmm. The key thing that we need to understand is progress is not just about providing for the advantaged. Progress is also about bringing up the disadvantaged. Having said this, mm-hmm. in the last 30 years, Poverty alleviation has been uh, 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 incredible. You know, mm-hmm. we have we have taken more people out of extreme poverty in the last 30 years than yeah. at any point in time in recorded history. So your point is absolutely well taken that we need to take it as glass half full, that yeah. things are going to get better after COVID, provided we have the mindset. Yeah. But more importantly, we need to recognize that it is not just about our immediate family and community, etc. But we need to start thinking about the global society. How do we bring the disadvantaged forward so that they have the opportunity, etc. While you think I'm making a moral case, Alexa, there's also a business case. In the US alone, if you bring racial and ethnic minorities properly into the economy, mm-hmm. by 2045, our GDP will grow by about one and a half million. So there's a business case also to be made by bringing people and making an economy that works for all. 
Yeah. I mean, I remember learning and, you know, I think it was 11th grade and um, I, I took the IB. Um, and so we did, I took geo geography yeah. class and um, we were learning that, you know, if women in, if women join the economy um, in whatever country it may be, um, the GDP of the country would go up tremendously. And so you think about that with every single, you know, you know, sector of, you know, our world and in terms of ethnicity and, um, you know, like you said, like women led businesses, black owned businesses, Latinx owned businesses, um, you know, different, um, genders, different, um, you know, ethnicities, all of that coming together, it grows the economy. And obviously that is not just the incentive. The incentive is to have the just and, and to have the inclusive economy, but for, you know, people to see how it affects the economy, it, it does a good job at affecting it. Um, and it, it, it adds to it and it grows. And I think that's, that's what happens when you do have so many people um, coming in and not only um, helping it grow, but, you know, sharing their ideas, sharing their, their skills, their skill sets, what they've learned. Um, and I think that's the important part, kind of going back to the whole, you know, what you study at, at your education, not that like whatever you study is the only thing you can do, but study what you want to study, what you're passionate about, because at the end of the day, how are we going to change if we just all do the same thing? If we all just study, you know, if I only study international affairs, let's say that's it. And I don't focus on what I want to do within it. Or if, if you just study business, but you don't necessarily go after your concentration, whether it might be popular or not, um, whatever you do have as a skill set will add to the company you join or the nonprofit you join, um, the government job you get. And I think that that's the really the key aspect of it. But yeah, I know I think that it's just a really, really interesting perspective and thinking about it in, in this way and seeing it kind of go from, you know, DeMore McKim as a, as a school and then as our the U.S. in general, and then as the world in general and the globe in general and seeing that, you know, go up kind of like you're, yeah, just, it's just really um, amazing. Yeah. I'm going to uh, reiterate the point you just made. One of the uh, pieces of advice uh, I will give uh, young students is always to network. And I don't mean network in the traditional sense of the word. You are an accountant, you go to an accounting fair or an accounting conference and meet other accountants. Mm -hmm. you know, that is also part of the networking. Yeah. But what I mean by networking is uh, you utilize opportunities that you have either socially or work-wise. Mm -hmm. Meet people who are different from you. Because differences make a difference. And one of the things based on the work that, uh, uh, you know, we have done in the academic literature on innovation, you realize your perspectives, how you grew up, your background, your life experiences, shape yeah. your thinking and your mindset. And that can actually make a huge difference in the workplace. So when you have multiple people who are all cut from different cloths, if you will, and brought together, the quilt that you are going to build as an organization mm -hmm. is actually much, much more imaginative and yeah. innovative than, you know, uh, uh, different people who are of the same type assembled together. And I always say this, this is extremely important. Why? This is why I say to be, uh, companies, diversity is so critical for you. Bring in people of different stripes, yeah. And, 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 and see magic happen because mm -hmm. when people come together like that, I think, I think you're going to see, uh, incredible magic because they are going to bring in their perspectives 
and and they are going to as a result challenge the status quo and conventional wisdom mm-hmm. and and bring forth innovative uh, possibilities uh, in the future so and as, that's and, yeah no exactly and as we start seeing you know hopefully you know obviously with covid it, it is very daunting that so many women have you know lost jobs or pulled out because or you know um i don't know not retired but quit because they they can't you know do the work because it is extremely um challenging right now with the pandemic and but you know the hope is is that that continues what continues to happen is not that but more jobs are filled by women um and more leadership positions and it starts to reflect what you know we as women also want and need um as a society and then that 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 will be passed along between you know along our generations and eventually get to a point where it it isn't such a you know battle um because although it has gotten so much better and it you know i think people are so grateful there's still a ways to go and like you you know even said um and i think you know once we start seeing that then we'll see that 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 quilt you know that was built even be stronger more sturdy because it is incorporating the perspective of women not only on you know um just an entry level um kind of sector but also as our top leaders and in right. every sector across the board um and especially within you know business and starting that off how you said in the very beginning those building blocks of you know introducing it at a young age but also right. teaching men what they have to do in order to care and to um be there. So, I think that yeah, I think that just is it's so important and um it's great to have these conversations and to discuss this because I think a lot of times it can be easy to like you said focus on yourself and your family and that is just as important but also focus on what how else can we lift others up and make sure that you know we are giving back just as much but in a way that is contributing to the overall um inclusivity of our world and 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 our economy. Yes, that is absolutely right. One of the things that uh uh I urge people uh is there are three skills I think innovative leaders should have. One I've already talked about the networking aspect, the ability to uh connect with different people mm-hmm. and uh, the second skill i think is uh the ability to question uh conventional wisdom <clears throat> you are in a meeting uh i'm reminded of this uh uh first paragraph in this is water by david foster wallace in his essay okay. and the first paragraph basically goes as follows two young fish are swimming along in the ocean when an older fish crosses them and says good morning how is the water and the two young fish continue swimming along till one of them turns to the other and says what the hell is water okay. <laughs> and and so a lot of times alexa if you don't question and you accept everything as gospel yeah that's what happens so when you are in a class ask questions when you are with your friends say hey why not yeah you know ask you know question and 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 practice your ability to question because the once you question conventional wisdom mm-hmm. great things can happen you know uh, uh so so to me the second skill uh, after networking is questioning and the third skill i would say is reject either or thinking a lot of times when you see it 
people would say high quality product low price mm-hmm. it is either or i would say yeah. reject that both and is the way to think about it why can't it be high quality and low price yeah. yes it is difficult to accomplish because of the processes that you have to employ you can do it mm-hmm. you know and 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 so so i think it is a very conscious strategy you need to to engage in and say i'm going to reject this either or i'm going to reject this binary formulation or this dichotomous formulation i'm going to i'm going to say can i because that is where imagination is that is where the power of innovative thinking is and these three skills when students have to me they are going to be game changing leaders networking yeah. questioning and and rejecting either or thinking yeah You guys made it. You're at the end. So congrats. No, but seriously, thank you guys for sticking it out if you have till this point. Before we head out, I just really want to say thank you again to Dean and Chimbody. You were wonderful to speak with. Thank you for taking the time to speak with me and have that lovely conversation that we did. It really opened my eye my eyes to so much and um you were just so insightful. So I really got I really hope that you guys enjoyed um this podcast episode as much as I enjoyed speaking with Dean and Shambadi. And as for all of you, I hope that you are having a good week. Thank you for listening. Make sure to take care of yourselves. You know, we're a year into this pandemic. Your emotions, your feelings are so beyond valid. We're all burnt out at this point. So just remember to do things that you love, that you feel passionate about. Spend time with the people that bring you the most joy. We're almost there. We're going to get through this. The weather's looking better, which is always a plus. So go outside, enjoy the weather this weekend. And once again, thank you guys for listening. Till next time.